Welcome to Boston's Best, a podcast where you go behind the scenes with financial planner Mark Condon as he asks industry-leading experts in and around Boston to talk about their businesses. Mark will find out what sets these companies apart from their competition and how they have risen above the inevitable challenges they have faced along the way to their ultimate success. And now, here's your host, Mark Condon. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to episode 51 of Boston's Best. The goal of this podcast is to highlight businesses in and around Boston. My guest on today's podcast is my good friend, Kevin O'Malley. Kevin is the owner of Vagabond Wave Fitness in Easton. The best way to describe Vagabond is through their mission statement. We are a fitness community dedicated to ongoing learning, continued improvement, constant support, and the achievement of health and fitness goals. Kevin officially opened the doors in 2009, and I was personally a member for six years before I moved to Framingham. I was in the best shape of my life before I left, and it wasn't even close. Kevin shares with us that he started out as a third grade teacher for the Boston Public School System. He loved fitness so much that he started training clients out of a one-car garage at his buddy's house in Whitman. After eight to nine months of training people out of a small garage that wasn't even his, Kevin found a 1,200-square-foot place in Brockton. Not long after that, he found the location in Easton in 2011, and he's been there ever since. In this episode, we talk in-depth about what makes Vagabond different in the community he's built. He has moved away from group classes and now has 14 and a half hours of open gym where people can come and go as they please. Kevin has also given back to the community. He founded a nonprofit 501c3 called Guardians of the Streets, where he focuses on guiding the communities of addiction, mental health, and homelessness through an opportunity to better themselves. And be sure to listen to the end as Kevin shares his advice on what to do if you wanted to start your own business, what he'd tell his 18-year-old self, and how he defines success in any given year. And so with that introduction, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Boston's Best. Good morning. This week, I have Kevin O'Malley. Kevin is the owner of Vagabond Way Fitness. How you doing, man? How you doing, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. Kevin and I have known each other for, it was 2013 when I first joined Vagabond. So we've known each other for eight years now, which is kind of wild. Um, I've seen Vagabond from, I think you were a couple years in at that point, And now to see what you've turned it into uh, today, it's been pretty remarkable. Before we get into Vagabond itself, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I'm originally from East Bridgewater, Massachusetts. Did, uh, lived in, moved around in different towns and different cities as uh, I was younger, but went to high school, went to finish some of my college stuff, and pretty much that's the beginning stage. I mean, we don't have to get all into my crazy yeah. background like Mark probably knows, but yeah, I grew up in the town of East Bridgewater and went from there, and there's a whole backdrop to that story as well, which we might get into possibly, and that's where I'm from. Where did the idea come from of where you started Vagabond? Like I know I know your backstory a little bit, but share us share us your backstory of where Vagabond started and how it's progressed over the last decade or so. When did you officially start it? Yeah, so Vagabond officially would have started uh, unofficially would have started right around 2008. Officially, it would have started like legally as a as an entity in 2009. I started Vagabond really cuz my background is to get not too much into it. Uh, I am someone that's in recovery. I'm a recovering addict. Um, I started bag one after I finished my degree and went through some trials and tribulations in my early in my early days. After I got myself together in some way, some form, I finished my college degree, came back. I had a decision to make of either going the private sector or the public sector, continuing into like the athletic field, possibly working in the high school college setting or continuing internships 
or I can go into the private sector, hence like a, a personal trainer yeah. or starting your own gym or your own business. I decided to go that route. Yeah. Um, one of my close friends, Ross O'Brien and Melissa yeah. O'Brien, who um, I grew up in the Whitman area. I came to the idea that I started training people on my own. I was also a teacher at the same time. I was a third grade teacher in the city of Boston. And um, I was basically doing two things at once. I knew it that in my heart that I wanted to continue with the training, but as everyone, you have to start somewhere. So I was doing the teaching job as a third grade teacher, trying to save money, yeah. also trying to build up clientele. So I literally started in a one car garage in the town of Whitman in yeah. 2009 out of my friend's garage. I mean, when I mean garage, I mean like, you know, eight feet tall. You really couldn't work out in the garage. You're pretty much outside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the amazing thing to me was actually that people were actually signing up a guy like, you know, a, a guy who trained someone out of the garage, which wasn't even their house. Yeah. And you couldn't even, you could, you could even train in the garage. So it was kind of uh, pretty cool to see that. But at that time, when I started the CrossFit affiliate, um, CrossFit was still pretty underground in some way, some form. So um, it was pretty easy to get people to join in some way, some form because it was new. Yeah. It was sex. It was sexy. It was something that was brand new to people. And most of the people who are coming to me in the garage were people who were already into fitness. Because yeah. a, lot, a lot of people, a lot of times, as you know, someone as well who's in the fitness, a lot of people who are in the fitness world, they're always looking for something new. So, you know, particularly myself, that's how I found it as well in, in my own self. And uh, the, the, the idea of CrossFit or that type of training, that high intense interval type training method, methodology that was uh, popular at the time. Uh, at the time, I was coming back, like I said, from some trials and tribulations in my own life. And I was, um, you know, looking for something new. Uh, and I just, you know, kind of ran with it and we're looking at what 13 plus years later, you know, now we're in East, you know, we were in Brockton after 2009, 2010 Brockton. Then we finally moved to the small, uh, the last spot 2011. I've been in Easton, Massachusetts for almost yeah, a little more than 10 years now. It's almost over a decade now. Yeah. So, so that's why pretty like two years officially three years, uh, in total where you were out of the garage. And then you moved into the, the yeah. So, so it was funny because 2000, like 2008 and 2008, I actually started, I actually was training people out of my friend's garage in Kingston and I didn't really have much money and I really had much stuff behind me. Um, it was just kind of me, like Ross, lucky enough, Ross and Melissa, they were looking for a fitness regiment. They were looking to get back into things. We were all like 22, 23. They just got their first house. Uh, so they were actually looking for their own fitness regiment. So it kind of worked out for them too, because they were able to, you know, have me train them right outside of the garage. And yeah. they were like, Hey, you could use the garage to train people. But then all of a sudden they start seeing, you know, after about eight or nine months in their garage, I started seeing more people coming in. Yeah. And then I knew by that time that I didn't really want to continue with teaching, but I was still uh, doing both teaching uh, in Boston, plus coming back, training people in the garage in Whitman. And then in 2010, we moved to a small location in uh in the city of brockton where i did a lot of like my hanging out and a lot of like i worked a lot in there as a kid when i was younger yeah. uh, in the city and stuff so i was happy to be in brockton because that's where i used to hang out a lot um also i like i also liked the city as well it was also exciting because i had my own spot a little 1200 square foot spot in brockton okay and the floor the floors were actually made out of wood which is kind of funny because yeah. if you as you know you're dropping weights overhead yeah <laughs> you know, so it's kind of crazy actually we yeah. are in an old old one of the old uh, industrial buildings with a shoe factory yeah. on the uh, on the east side of brockton on lawrence street and uh and then in 2011 at the second year at the end of my teaching i decided to move on from teaching and focus fully on growing the business and you know clientele and just kind of giving it a go you know how do you stumble upon the 
the spot that you're in in Easton. I mean, it's hard to find. I feel like, I mean, because you need high ceilings, right? You do yeah, it, yeah. whether it's wall balls, whether it's uh, anything overhead, whether it's muscle ups, like with the rings, like you need high ceilings. Like, was that a difficult process to find that spot or did you get lucky? So if you remember, so like 2007, so actually when I started, it was probably the best time to start a gym or a training business in 2008, 2009. Yeah. Because the market, the market just crashed. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, not many people were opening stuff up you know so at the time and you know the person uh matt donahue yeah he started me in 2010 he started in brockton now obviously matt donahue is uh his family owns donahue real estate people listening so they're commercial real estate so he was part of the gym in 2010 and then after the year lease is over in brockton um and i started seeing things progressively move a little bit you know towards a positive uh outcome he had the spot in easton you know where we currently are like okay. you said looking for high spots you know five thousand plus square feet yeah. and it had a few offices above it worked out where like i said like 2010 2011 you know the market was just starting to come back so you were able to get pretty good deals and stuff of that on the you know the rent and so on and so forth so i never actually had any you know there were a few times where you know could we move out could we leave but the one issue with Easton is, is that actually there's only one industrial area in Easton yeah. and the industrial park in Easton is really not industrial. It's more like, you know, professional, you know, you have medical yeah. places. So yeah. it's a little bit different. So there wasn't much else really in Easton besides where I was. And by the time, you know, and I didn't want to leave the Brockton area yeah. too much, you know, so I had to kind of stay in like that Brockton, Easton okay. you know, area. So Easton worked out and, where we are in Easton, I mean, we're right over, the, you know, right across here from Stonehill College, right in the Brockton line. So it was only like a, a five to ten minute move over. No, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, uh, how many clients do you think you had before you moved into when you decided you needed like an actual gym? So I think I remember, like, I think when I moved out of the gym in Easton, no, the gym, the gym in Brockton, when I moved out, I think I literally had like six thousand dollars. Like, I mean, that's it. I pretty much put down first and last. Yeah, and I had, I had like probably about. 20 to 30 clients coming out of Brockton. So I essentially just put down that money for first and last. And then just kind of, I didn't, cause I didn't take any loan. I was never someone, I was, I'm very conservative yeah. with money and how I do things. I don't, you know, probably maybe a little too conservative. I'm not much of a risk taker. Yeah. So essentially what I did was I just, I, I've never accrued much debt, which is sometimes I tell people it's not the avenue of getting rich. It's about not, it's, it's about staying out of debt. You know, yep. everyone's always trying to get rich when, when real estate, everyone should just really stay out of debt. Oh, the biggest American problem that we have. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so I didn't have much. I just pretty much, I didn't have help from obviously, you know, I had support from the family per se, but I didn't have, we didn't have any financial backing or right? that stuff. Everything, you know, it's, we didn't grow up like that. So, yeah, it was definitely a risk, you know, leaving the teaching job and that kind of security, but I knew what I wanted to do. Plus, I, I've always been, you know, as you know me, I've always been somebody who's a little bit different. Yeah. You know, in, in some ways, even since I was a kid, I've always been, you know, if someone's go walking this way, I was always the person who's going to walk this way. Now, in my life, that has led to some negative occurrences. Yeah. But in the last 12 to 14 years, it's led mostly to positive occurrences. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in some ways, in some form. I'm not saying there hasn't been any trials and tribulations during this, you know, last 12 to 14 years as a small business owner. Of course, yeah. So is there, and this is a question I've known you for almost a decade now, and I've never actually asked you this question. Is it, was there a meaning behind the word vagabond for you? Let's see. Oh, man. 2009, <laughs> 2009, 2008, 2009. I used to go up in Manchester, New Hampshire uh, and stay up with this kid, you know, Sammy Dagar, who was the owner of Cross New Hampshire at the time. Yeah. And he started Cross New Hampshire actually in a one car garage. 
And somehow we met, I think we met at a certification or whatever. Um, he was like, dude, why don't you, and we both were really into, even at that time, like, you know, I'm sure we'll get into the next down in a little bit, like, you know, how Bagwan possibly strayed away from the CrossFit realm so on and so forth. And yes. even at that time, 2008, 2009, we were both doing CrossFit at that time in the beginning stages, but Sammy was someone who actually was the first person who actually, um, started making my brain think a little bit more outside of the avenue of even CrossFit, like basically the idea of programming and having a rhyme and reason to what you're doing and the science behind it and not just throwing a bunch of crap on the board and be like, yeah, this is what we need to do. <laughs> yeah. So um, I used to go up to his house in Manchester in the city up there. And he lived like in a triple decker and he used to be like, yo, come stay with me. So I'd go up there literally, I think almost every week for like three days, like Friday to Sunday. And I would stay with him and we would just literally up until like midnight, one in the morning, not drinking, not doing anything, literally just sitting there writing, you know, programs, talking, discussing, um, and like really just challenging each other. So that was probably actually, and then what he said to me was, I could actually remember this as it was yesterday, but he was like, dude, he's like, if you should, you should start your own gym. He's like, you're like a bad one anyways. You just, you're always, you're just going from place to place to place all the time. You know, so, you know, so that's what, so actually Sammy Day guys the one that actually gave me the idea that. He always just called me bag one and he said, all right, let's call it bag one. Fitness, uh, so cool. cross with it. That's a cool story. No, I, I legitimately didn't know that story. So that is pretty cool. And yeah, we'll definitely get into what makes you guys different. Cause I, like I said, I've been a part of your program. It's definitely, it's definitely different. I was legitimately in the best shape of my life. It was like, I'd say like four to six years where I was going uh, pretty hardcore at Vagabond. But before we get into that, what are some of the early challenges that you faced starting your own gym? I mean, I, I, imagine the laundry list is pretty long, but like, what are some of the successes that you experienced where you knew like, dude, I got something here. Like this is a, this turned into a really good business. Uh, actually it's funny to say because realistically, honestly, that didn't really hit me. You know, we'll get this till actually the pandemic hit. So it took yeah. me about 11, 11, no, I'm not kidding. It took me about 11 and a half years to actually have like full confidence. Yeah. Not that I don't want to go too much into my personal life and how I felt, but like, I don't know. It's, I didn't really know. Like, you know, oh yeah, this is it. I'm going to, this is going to be my career. Like I want it to be my career, but I didn't know that, you know, I'd be able to do things I've been able to do, you know, investments and, and buy a house and so on and so forth that, you know, owning a gym that you could do that per se, because right. if you're a personal trainer or if you're a fitness trainer or whatever, I mean, that's why most people don't end up doing that for a career because it is a hard job yeah. to make a lucrative amount on even to be able to raise a family. So I wouldn't say that. I was like, yeah, this is what I do. But I think it was just more, I had to do it and I wanted to do it. And I guess nothing was really going to hold me back per se. I was going to be yeah. successful no matter what in some ways. Yeah. Um, and I still didn't consider myself successful yet. I guess consider myself on a journey of success. So I really haven't hit like the pinnacle that I want to hit at. Yeah. But I always tell myself sometimes it's better to be above average in everything besides because you're never really great at anything. So, but no, I think, uh, yeah. But like I said, when the pandemic hit was when I hit full confidence of what we have done what we have accomplished and possibly i think maybe because that was right around with my goodness not the downfall or like but you saw definitely a drop in the idea of crossfit you know you started seeing you started seeing even though before the pandemic but like that's when you're not saying that crossfit is bad or and that's i'm just saying that you started seeing the trajectory has definitely even has definitely definitely killed out a little bit. I mean, the proofs, proofs in the pudding, the numbers have gone down in the sense of gyms opening and gyms leaving and so on and so forth. But yeah, I would say that it was just more, not that I just had a willingness just to keep 
you know, seeing how far I could push myself and how long I keep going. And I guess we just, you know, coming up on close to 13 years. So I guess just keep going, I guess. Yeah, no, that's fair. Because uh, CrossFit itself, people hear that word. And I mean, I was definitely one of those people initially. I was like, ah, CrossFit, like it's just like a cult. Uh, and then like when people have, when I joined, you might, you know, my sister st- joined that I ended up joining and I was, for lack of better words, immediately drinking the Kool-Aid. I was like, this place is phenomenal. But like when people say, when initially when like had that connotation around it, like, oh, CrossFit's like such a cult. I'm like, dude, honestly, man, like it's a, it's a place where you, it's a social club that you work out at. Like, that's what it turned into. Like at my wedding, we had two vagabond tables, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like this, it's a social club that. It has phenomenal programming that you just get in phenomenal shape as long as you're consistent, right? Like what are the three for it's consistency, dedication, and patience. Patience. Yep. Right. Like those three right there, like that's what it is. Um, so in, in regards to the programming, how do you go about it? Cause like, I know you get different, or at least when I was in at part, part of the gym, you had different tiers. Like how do you go about it and how does it differ versus what people might think like that type of gym? I know you've dropped the, the CrossFit aspect, but like what, what, how, how are you a little different, I guess? So going back, I mean, we guess we can go back and say, when did I start deciphering myself from the other CrossFit gyms? It's probably around 2011 when I really started like going another another way, and that was due probably to you know my education that I was doing. I was working with a company called OPT at the time that was based out of Canada. Uh, they were high level CrossFit athletes, but they they were the one that now it's called OPEX. It's based out of Arizona. But they were one of the first groups and a guy named James Estrella that actually started challenging the concept of what are we doing here? You know, yeah. it's in, in, in layman's terms. Okay. Yeah. James Estrella was the, was the winner of the first cross games in 2007. I believe he pretty much got ousted from the crossing community after 2007 because he basically started challenging them. Fast forward now, he was, he, I mean, essentially he was right. So essentially <laughs> basically what I started seeing was being in Easton granted at that time, we did have competitive athletes, you know, at, you know, not at the highest, highest level, like not at the top 10, you know, the right. Matt Frazier's or the Rick Trones, but we had a team that was competing and individuals that are competing in the top 1% in the world, so on and so forth. Yeah. And we, and, and for one, at one point in time between 2010 and 2016, 17, you know, we were one of the gyms that people were trying to come to to join our team or get programmed. Like, you know, not saying that we were the best of the best, but for the region, for the Northeast region, like we were definitely one of the top gyms in that New England Northeast region. Um, I would say that we started, but for everyday programming and everyday fitness enthusiasts or people who are looking just to be fit and loose and get into a, into a routine, I started changing the program right around 2011, right when we moved to the East and I changed it to three phases. Most CrossFit gyms would have one water workout, not saying all, but I'm saying the majority of your CrossFit gyms. Yeah. Back then, even today, we'll have one wad for, for the whole group. Um, what we started to do was you know, I started to, you know, see certain things. A lot of crossrooms had on-ramp classes, which were great and everything. But we actually started moving more towards the functional movement screen, which is an yep. organization that does assessments the proper way. Uh, we started doing that. We were the first cross gym, I believe, certified in the whole New England, all our gym, all our trainers certified in FMS. We started doing different phases like lifestyle, fitness, competition. Yep. So besides just having one workout a day, we offered roughly between three and four workouts per day for the group classes or the open gym. We started focusing more on hypertrophy and bodybuilding type work. So if people want to stand up, it's like, think about in layman's terms, eight to 15 reps doing bicep curls and, you know, staying away from high rep Olympic lifting, high rep gymnastics stuff. This is for your everyday clients, right. obviously right. not for your CrossFit athletes trying to compete and so on and so forth, which we had. 
So that's why we had that competition phase. But basically what I did was, and I did multiple seminars on this in 2011-12, it was called the health athlete versus the performance athlete. I would say, I don't not put, pat myself on the back of Bagwan, but I was in the Bagwan was the first gym in CrossFit in this area to start challenging what people were doing, why we were doing it, yeah. and how we should do it. And we're the first gym to be assessing people correctly in the correct way to find out you know, what the mobility, stability, dynamic control, so on and so forth, to see if they could move into group classes or if they needed more personal training. Yeah. I've always been someone who's big on the one-on-one approach in the individual training. Obviously, though, with that type of theory or methodology, the one aspect you run into is, you know, financial is financial yeah. issues because not everyone can afford to do one-on-one training right. or personal or the personalized approach. So what I ended up doing was another big thing, as you probably know, being a member for so many years, you know, I am obviously a little obsessive and I do keep up with things. I'm definitely OCD. Uh, but the one thing what I try to do is have three niches for the gym. And one of the niches was accountability. Yeah. It was community. And the other niche was community. And the third one was organization. Yeah. So my goal as owner of the gym was to have all three of those working simultaneously. Now, if Mark Condon owned another gym and he had community and organization, but he didn't have accountability, then he doesn't have my niches. And I felt that the aspect of having a strong community, a strong coaching staff, organization amongst the community and amongst the coaching staff, and also accountability for clients and for the coaching staff. If I have all three of those on par, probably going to have a pretty good, you know, probably going to have a pretty good success forever. So my ultimate goal is to have all three of those in place. And I would say accountability was a huge one. I've yeah. always been really good on and the coaches too on checking on clients, yeah. checking up on people, checking on a daily basis, you know, right up until the 10 minutes before I started talking, I was texting probably 10 people seeing, yeah. checking where they are, what, how you're doing. So kind of bring that personalized approach, even though people aren't paying for personal training, yeah. but giving them that personal, but Hey, Hey, Mark, where are you at today? I haven't seen a gym in a week, stuff like that. We still yeah. do stuff like that 13 years later. Now, dude. So you just gave me a flashback. So this is like my heyday, you know, my, uh, my best days, I think, was like 2015, 2016, 2017. That's like my personal peak, right? And I remember, I don't know why I remember the story, but you just brought it back. There was one day, like the month of April, I remember this specifically, I was there for all 30 days, right? I think I was there for like 35, 36 days straight. I missed the following day, whatever the day was. I don't remember why. Uh, maybe I was just lazy or wanted a day off after a month. You texted me where you at. <laughs> I was just like, dude, I've been there for 30 something straight days. Like, give me a break. But like, but that that's huge. Like that personal touch, you know, that accountability, because it's so easy for people to get motivated initially. Uh, and then yeah, they're into it for a couple of weeks, but they, you know, like you said, people are looking for the home runs. People, the, the patience part is difficult and you're not going to see immediately. You're not going to see huge results immediately. It could take eight weeks, which in the realm is not a long amount of time. But if you're doing thing, if you go to the gym seven days a week for eight straight days, it seems like forever. So even just like having that accountability, like that makes people want to go back. And I think that's a huge part and a huge, uh, a huge piece to why Vagabond itself has been so successful up to this point. Yeah, we have like, you know, the one thing I would say, because I do have investments in a couple of the gyms. And the one thing I would say in being involved in the industry for so long and talking to dozens, you know, dozens, even hundreds of the gym owners and uh, thousands of the clients and so on and so forth. We get people coming back all the time. I mean, people, I'm not kidding. Like people who leave, like I just had a guy sign up who came five years ago, you know, not his problem, but he put on about 115 pounds since then. 
He wow. came back, he came back. I just had three more people come back last week. This is like not because the pandemic. I'm just saying people who are coming back who left two, three years ago, yeah. uh, five years ago, six years ago, people who are just in, people who have like moved away, who still come back all the time. You know, and granted that might be in other places or anything, but I don't know. This is something different at Bagmon and how, how people just have like that. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just something different. Yeah, um, dude, yeah. I mean, it starts at the top. You know, it starts with you. But, you know, Andrea and I, you know, like I said, I had two Vagabond tables at the wedding, right? Like I'm in Easton at least twice or three times a month just because I'm hanging out with people. And somebody brought up the fact like you guys are the only people not in Easton. Like it was, there were like three families, four families, and we were the only ones not in Easton. And they texted us later, like, you guys just got to move to Easton. And Andrea looked at me, she's like, would you? I was like, I mean, yeah, like I'm hundred percent virtual at this point. Like I, I would, I would definitely go back and, you know, I've popped into Vagamon, I think a couple of times in the last few years, but uh, you know, if that's what I'm missing, like I go to Lifetime and Framingham, I love it, but I'm trying to program and do stuff on my own. And when I call program, like I'm saying, like I walk in the gym, I'm like, okay, yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick four movements and go, you know, 12 down to one and just see how long it takes me. It's not really programming, but see, like any, that, any asshole workout. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the um, asshole could program it. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. But no, I, you're not an asshole. Though. No, I know. I know. I know. But like, you know, when I say program, like it's very, very as loosely, you know, the loosest definition you can possibly think of. I'm thinking of four workouts, four movements to do while I'm stretching it for like seven minutes. And then I just yeah, yeah. do that for 20 and see and bounce out. You know, like I'm nowhere near where I was. I'm fine. The point is like, if we did ever, ever go back to Easton, like the very first thing I'm doing is going back to Vagabond, like immediately, yep. like that's just been missing. Uh, and it all starts at the top. I mean, I think that's why you guys have been so successful after the, you know, f- over the, the course of, you know, 13 years, it's kind of wild when you really think about it, you know? Yeah. We've had like a good, I think the big selling, not the big selling, but the big point too, sometimes to me is like, you look at, um, I look at sometimes the businesses like, not that this is like, once again, someone can say, no, that's not true. Yeah. But like uh, the majority, I feel the one thing that we have a bag one is definitely consistency. Like think about the coach, the three coaches that we have right now, myself, obviously been 13 years. Yeah. Jay Lounge has been there since 2010. Kate Morgus, yeah. coach Kate started in 2012 with me as a personal client. And she's been coaching there for the last, you know, since 2013. Yeah. Um, Heather Dunlap has been there since they, 2011. So she's been there 10 plus years. Now we know we just had Andrew who just moved on after 10 plus years. We had, so we've had like a, the same solidified coaches for quite some time, whatever, particularly like myself, Jay, Heather, Kate Morgus, um, who've been, you know, very consistent, whatever. And, you know, I think that's been really important too, where we've had the same coaching staff predominantly the whole time. So everyone's pretty much on board with what's going on. No one, you know, we're all, it just moves very well. It's a well-oiled machine with how everything moves because everyone knows what's going on. Yep. You know, the biggest thing, once again, like I said, organization is one of those niches and like, you know, communication as well. So no, for sure. Like I remember it was, it was years ago, obviously when I was there, but uh, you came back from like, I think it was like maybe just like a week away, maybe two weeks, like maybe it was your honeymoon, uh, whatever, uh, you know, but you came back and um you were like, oh, I just, I always like stress out, make sure everything's running. I'm like, dude, you got a well-oiled machine. Like, because you have the consistency and all the coaches that, you know, you don't necessarily have to be there all the whole 14 hours that you guys are open every single day. Cause everyone knows all the coaches, they're all great. They all treat it like your personal, like your personal clients are there, even though it's in a group setting, like they're constantly watching what you do, especially if it's an Olympic lift movement, you know, hang snatches or hang cleans, anything like that. They're making sure you're doing things properly. So you don't hurt yourself. So I think, I mean, I think that's huge. I definitely think that's why you guys have done so well up to this point. So what do you see, I guess, what do you see for the future of Vagabond? 
the future, I mean, the future's changed. I mean, the concept of Vagabond has always been the same, focusing on longevity and health, but we've always had that name CrossFit tied to us for the last, since, uh, since 2009. But like right before the pandemic hit, March 1st of like 2020, I didn't reaffiliate with CrossFit. And that was something that I was actually been thinking about, honestly, for like seven, eight years. I remember you talking uh, to me about that, yeah. Think about it for years, whatever. But the problem was that we were still competing in CrossFit. CrossFit was still an important piece. I still had like this, you know, this uh, strong tie to how I came involved in CrossFit. Like I said, sure. once again, and we do a whole nother podcast on how I got into it in some ways. But, you know, like I said, I had my own trials and tribulations coming back from some bad choices that I've made when I, at, my younger, at my younger days. Um, I think it was just very very tied to me, but also, you know, just being nervous, like, you know, at the time, like, you know, you're at the sixth day, you're seventh day, you're like, oh, can I get rid, should I get rid of the cross? And no, because so, so many of these gyms around cross is so popular. Yeah. And you did, I didn't have the confidence as well. I wasn't confident to be like, I don't need this. I can move off from it. And then right for the, it's just funny, like literally two weeks before the pandemic hit, like leading into February, I was just like, you know what, whatever, I don't give a crap, whatever happens happening. Cause at that time though, at the pandemic, right for the pandemic hit, I mean, we were, I mean, for about three years, we were completely out of the CrossFit scene. Got it. From like 2017 to 2020. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really focus on like, you know, those opens. We didn't really, yeah. you know, you start seeing, not saying to be able, you start seeing some of the younger crowd possibly moving on and now becoming more family oriented and, yeah. you know, about kids and family, which I don't mind that because, you know, I, I have a family myself, you know, they're, you know, no offense. 21 year olds don't are paying the ass. They can't pay the bills as much. <laughs> that's so, 100%. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it, it's nice having people in their 30s and 40s and 50s who are all, you know, working class, blue collar, white collar, upper middle class professionals who have, who see the benefit of health and not trying to, you know, nickel and dime you all the time, too. You know, just yeah. we're going to talk about business, business wise. It's yeah. just the way it is. If you're a 20, 21, 22 year old, 23, you tell them, yeah, this costs $250 a month, or whatever. Uh, personal training is $100 an hour. They, most people, most of the people that are aging are like, what the hell? You got granted adults who say the same thing, whatever, but I have a better chance of, of growing a business that way. And like I said, I have a family, I have two daughters, I have a wife. So that's where I just, yeah, I felt that that was easy. So basically like 2017 on, I kind of love it. And like I said, right on March 1st, I was like, you know what? So I didn't send the, the affiliate fee in. And the affiliate fees on between me and you and everyone listening, <laughs> the affiliate fee that I was paying was very minimal anyways, because I was grandfathered in from 2009. Uh, so it. it wasn't like it was because I couldn't, couldn't do it. It was just, it, it was, it was basically at the time. And then after the pandemic hit, I essentially, like how you introduced it, bag one way fitness. Yeah. Um, I pretty much rebranded um, the whole during the pandemic while taking a gigantic hit in revenue, plus being closed for four months and trying to run zoom sessions. Yeah. So on and so forth. I rebranded the whole thing and basically tried to communicate with people during that time period because we didn't see a ton of people from like March of 2020 to like July of 2020 yeah. because the gym was you know closed per se. Right. So we didn't see a lot of people. So I was trying to, you know, when people first came back in July, they were almost like of last year, they were almost like kind of confused. Like, wait, there's no more group classes. Wait, it's only open gym. Wait, there's... This isn't CrossFit, da, da, da. but honestly, the CrossFit drop name was easy. It, no one even, no one batted an eye. It was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. At that time, no one even called it. Everyone always called the bag one, but I yeah. did that purposely. I literally just did that for the last seven years. I built people up to be like, "This is what we do. This is what we do." Da, 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 da. And then it was easy to change. The house pod actually was dropping the group classes. Let's get into that because I just found that out last week when you and I yeah when I talked yeah yeah yeah. So basically, looking over the years and also having. 
not just perspective of being a, the bag one, you know, being the uh, the owner of bag one. Like I said, I have had investments in a couple other gyms yeah. and seeing how things go, and also just talking to other gym owners. And I talked to dozens of other gym owners throughout the time. And one, and like one of the biggest things you hear a lot of times is like people who I got rid of the group classes. One of the reasons was because during the pandemic, as we came back, group classes would would have been much harder to facilitate during the time period. So what I did was we allowed the gym to be open. Essentially, if you did six group classes a day or seven, we did seven group classes a day. Roughly, the gym's open seven to eight hours. Yeah. Now, what we do at the open gym was the gym's open 14 and a half hours. Wow. We just doubled the time. And most people didn't mind it when we first did it because at the time, especially in the fall time and when the heavy start, when the second surge came back, yeah. you know, people liked the idea of having space yeah. and like, you know, having like, you know, having an opportunity, as you know, too, a lot of people have been staying home, obviously, from work. Yeah. So they weren't in Boston. They weren't in the city. They were at, you know, they could come to the gym at 10.30 a.m. at 2.30 p.m. They don't have to wait around for a 4.30 class or a 5.30 right. class. Plus, another avenue is some of the people who complained about the drop in the, the group classes were people who showed up late anyways to the warm-up. <laughs> people who didn't like doing any of that stuff, doing the warm-up anyways. People who it didn't really matter. So people who kind of, you know, people definitely adjust to it. And now there have been times where I have, you know, people emailing me that what's this open gym coach. Now, another thing too, is with the open gym coach format, it's not like Mark comes in and you're on your own. You know, right. there's a coach always on the gym floor. Yeah. There's a coach can single handedly go over to each person. Like today I was, today I worked and I was able to go to each individual person. Now three to five, six minutes at a time to go over each thing. Now, some people say, well, you can do that in group class too. Yeah. But in group class, you know, we're telling everyone to finish the workout, all 20 people to finish the workout in 60 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, everything's rushed. Right. Now, if you have Mark Condon and you want to rush, and that's what you want to do, fine. You could do that. But guess what? Person B next to you might want to be here for an hour and a half and take right. 20 minutes to warm up. And you, yeah. can't do that. you can't do that in a group class. So nice. basically what I'm saying is I'd rather go out of business and lose Vagwan, but and I'd rather, be, but I'd rather, I'd rather lose that then lose my my value, my integrity of what I truly believe in. Yeah. You know, so I don't believe in group classes. They just and now for some people they work fine. Some gyms they work fine. But the avenue of basically telling people 20 to have 20, 25, 30 people working out at the same time and thinking that you can get to every single person. And some people might say, well, what are you talking about? We do we do snatch warm-ups, stuff like that. It's like, yeah, a person's gonna coach 20 people at one time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not gonna happen. It's just not yeah. gonna happen. People can fight me on it. Yeah. I traveled around the world, particularly around the country when I was working for CrossFit. And I saw how things worked and how things were done with the group classes. And basically, what we also did was we have the open gym coach format. More and more people are starting to like it. I really like it because they have more opportunities to get to the gym. Yeah. But also, people are now, even though we've kind of moved on from the pandemic, we're moving on from the pandemic slowly. Um, people just like the idea that they're not crowded into a space with 20, 30 people. Yeah. Like the gym works nice. It's like every hour, there's six to seven, eight people. And another thing people Perfect. might say, another people might say to me, you see, I, I always have an answer for everything, right? <laughs> some, some, but you always have to be fair though. Some people might say, well, I, I like that the accountability of being with people. But at the end of the day, the nine o'clock group class is a very popular class. Yep. Guess what? The nine o'clock group class still happens every single day because all the girls get together. They text each other. You yeah. know, I've all you know, now people who like to come at eleven o'clock. It's always the same group. People at eleven. Right. People come at twelve. Same. People who come at three o'clock. It's always the same group. Yeah. So on and so forth. Now there's a lot of people who might get out of work at two thirty, three o'clock. They don't have to wait around for an hour and a half, two hours to get to the four thirty class. Right. They're not the Nas Rush. And then 
no, we also have more options now. Like we have, you know, over the last year, I bought like a stay of masses. I bought Peloton. I bought, um, you know, concept two bikes. I bought, oh, wow. you know, more, more, more cardio type equipment. So people can have different options besides just coming and maybe doing the work on the board. And so, and we also still have a warm up on the board. There's still all the different group phases. There's still a coach on the floor. There's still more. In fact, I can contend that there's still actually more coaching going on yeah. because you can go to each person because you're not dealing with 20 people. Yeah. You might be dealing with a person who's on section A. You can go to them, another person on section B. But then you also get the class feeling too because, I mean, at 5.30 a.m. today, I had seven, eight people at 5.30 a.m. And they all worked out together. Now the group came at 6.30. Yep. Now what's happening is people are texting each other. Oh, come exactly. at this time. And, and people who never would have been friends or had communication, now they are. Yeah. The, hard, the hardest selling point is probably actually the beginning when someone first joins. Yeah. Because a, a lot of people want group classes. But at the end of the day, it's just like any business, right? If you want group classes, then just don't come to bag money. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. I mean, it's, so you've, it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, change is different for everybody to start. Like it took me a little bit to go through what I do through a Zoom call. Now, now it's easy. Now, like I can't, I literally think it's a waste of time driving into the city and yeah. I, I'm like, I get anxiety over like driving 30 minutes. And so the change, change is hard for a lot of people to start, but what's kind of happened is you, what's just nice is you have these like unwritten group classes that people just have formed on their own because uh, they started showing up. There's a few people there, uh, like that 9am class that was, you know, that was my class. Like yeah, I, went, yeah. I love that class. And then uh, when I transitioned to doing what I'm doing now, I went to the 5.30, well, 6 a.m., the, the undisclosed 5.30 class and start a little early. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's kind of cool that those people have started to, they just created their own classes together. So it's still like, quote unquote, like group classes, but it's just like unwritten group classes that the community has kind of formed on their own. Yeah. And like I said, like we're starting to see a little bounce back now. Like I said, I have lost people, but in the past, I've lost people who said, hey, I don't like group classes. I like the idea of having an open gym type format. And then also... You know, on one end though, like the personal training side of the business has like has really grown I since bet. the pandemic. Yeah, like, like a like a lot. Like not even just for me, but a couple of the coaches, like even coach, you know, you know, Jay, who's the manager now, like he's really starting to get more and more clients because people are starting to realize, you know, maybe I do want to do more one-on-one training in Easton, Massachusetts, and particularly the surrounding towns. You know, are more you know have our upper middle class, and sometimes you have to serve the community that you're in. You know, yeah, yeah. so like you know, so they people can people can't afford it because I see it all the time. People want to afford it, and people see results better with the one on one training. Yeah. But then also, if you don't want to do one on one training, you still get that aspect of doing a group class, but you get more time for the gym. You don't have a time constraint. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I did it too is the beginning of the pandemic. I knew, and even up until now, like everyone was stressed out about kids and school and you know the job so i was like you know what i don't want to stress people out. i just want people to come to the gym when they can get there they get there they have 14 and a half hours to get to the gym <laughs> yeah you, know, you got no excuse anymore the gym's open from 5 30 in the morning to 1 15 then it closes for an hour and open from 2 30 to 8 30 p.m you know yeah. so and we still actually have like circuit training classes so we have a circuit training class still okay. even on saturday we still have the partner workouts you know yeah. the partner workouts have starting to come back a little bit more yeah uh so it's funny because i look back on now what i was doing i didn't even realize that i did i realized what i was doing i was rebranding but yeah. looking back on now you know probably it was effing crazy what i did actually all the you know going through zoom trying to rebrand the thing plus i started another business at the same time at, during the pandemic yeah. time so it was just like, it was kind of crazy looking back on, but I don't know. It's working. It's yeah. what, like I tell the coaches that we have this thing, like we're still here. So I don't know. You're still here. <laughs> yeah, so. Still here. So, and I, I know you, so curious about the answer to this question, but you know, OCD, like through the roof, like I'm pretty OCD. I think you are a little bit above me, 
But like outside of being, let's say, physically or mentally incapable of working, right? Like, do you ever picture yourself completely retiring and just like sailing off to the sunset? Because I feel like you're no. always going to have your hand in something. No, probably not. Like I said, like I started something else in the last year or so, uh, like a nonprofit. So that's something else that's going to keep me busy. Yeah. Um, personal training wise, because on top of like this, having being the owner of Vagabond, including like just by like, myself included, like I have roughly about 50 to 55 personal clients as well wow. that I work with. You know, so I roughly do between 25 and 30 sessions per week. Yeah. On top of, you know, running the gym plus the open gym memberships plus a couple other things I have going on too. But I wouldn't say I would, I mean, the only way I guess uh, I would stop is if like, you know, yeah, I probably won't stop because I can't really stay still anyway. So, you know, I'll probably do so. It would be nice to maybe dumb things down a little bit and not be so crazy. Yeah. Um, but um, like I said, I just turned 36, so I'm still pretty young in some ways. But yeah, so no, I probably won't ever really sell down per se, but you know, but who knows? Yeah, say never, I guess. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, so outside outside of work, what do you, Katie and the and the girls do? Like, what are some of the hobbies that you guys enjoy doing? It's one thing we need to work on. <laughs> enjoy <laughs> enjoying stuff outside of what we do for our profession. But so we do, I mean, honestly, it's just I'm definitely a homebody. Yeah. Like me and Katie are definitely homebodies. So we stay home a lot. You know, we set up our house where we have, you know, some good things where we don't have to leave that much. You know, we have a home gym, we have a pretty good outside area out back. So yeah. we have a lot of stuff that keeps us busy. You know, if anything, uh, I do, I love the beach. I love the water. Yeah. Mentally, it's really good for me. I have had some like uh, physical issues, uh, like uh, physical health issues. I've had back surgery over the last few months and yeah. trying to come back from that stuff. So um, basically, I could just be fine with hanging out at the house and be fine. But if I could, you know, the beach is really important to me, the water. I like doing a lot of, I mean, not, yeah, I, I like doing a lot of things. Like, um, like I said, like I, I started a nonprofit that I work in the inner city. So I, I work with like the homeless in there and the mental health and addicted community. So I do a lot of stuff that keeps, that's actually pretty much if I'm not doing bad one stuff, yeah, that's what I'm doing on the other side too. Not, that, but that's also very mentally healing for me because it's work in some way, but it's also, not even about, like, you know, it works both ways. I help, you know, my other community, the guardians community that we call it the nonprofit. I, we help them, but they also help myself as well because it keeps me engaged yeah. into like, you know, into like reality and not getting lost, you know, and how things are with other people in different yeah. communities and populations. No, that's not, what was it called again? Guardians, what? Guardians of the streets. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I saw that just randomly started popping up all over Instagram. I'm like, what is this? Like, I had no idea like where it came from. So that was really, uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that's a whole, that's a, that's a good, that, that's a, it's, yeah, that's a good thing. I'm proud of what we're doing and how we're doing things. And um, it's, yeah, pretty cool, whatever to see. And the Vagabond community, once again, is some of the biggest supporters of it, you know? Yeah. So once again, community, one of those niches and, you know, has really, the Vagabond community has really kept it going in some ways and being supportive. I don't really mix the two that much i kind of keep them somewhat separate wherever but it's kind of hard to because yeah. you know like you said you might see things on instagram or facebook and but the, the vagabond community is like always stepped up no yeah. matter what we've charitable donations charity whatever we do everyone's always very you know giving and no questions asked what do you need you know basically rule of thumb that's cool man no that's awesome to hear so i guess so last few questions uh before we wrap it up i guess the first one would be what advice would you give somebody who wants to start their own business, whether it's a fitness business or just a business itself, you know, what would be like the top advice you would give that person? So like, so like I've started, I've, you know, people might say, I'm like, this guy has got a successful gym. Like 
So just let people know, like I've had three businesses, four businesses fail too. you know, two online businesses, another gym. So it's not like I'm sitting here like and I haven't failed because I probably failed more than I succeeded in some ways. But some of those failures, you know, you turn into successes. So just be as a small business owner, if you're looking to start any type of business, it doesn't matter if it's fitness to a nonprofit, to a financial advisor, to whatever, is just to be prepared and to have things in order and make sure you're organized and just not have things, you know, thrown together. I did that with one business, an online business where I partnered up with someone and we weren't on the same page. Well, we didn't realize it, but when an issue arised, we weren't on the same page. We didn't have the same viewpoints, you know, with some things and that caused a huge issue, which basically really actually this business could have been, was actually on the verge of being very successful because of the lack of organization, which is one of the niches of Bagwan, right? Yeah. Is the reason why probably Bagwan's still around and yeah. that one is not. So the biggest thing is and, and patience as well. If we talk about dedication, patience, consistency, be consistent with what you believe in and don't stray from that. You know, be dedicated to what you believe in, but also be patient with the results because you know, very cliche thing to say, but you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, yeah. that's how it really goes, particularly if you're someone you know, most of us come from, you know, a low middle class, middle class background, most Americans. So it's not you get, like you're going to be handed stuff all the time. A lot of times you're going to have to do a lot of things yourself in some ways, particularly yeah. financially. So it's really more about making the right financial decisions, as you know, you know, and not being and making decisions that are going to come back to haunt you. Uh, so it's just, well, I think the biggest thing is preparation, organization, okay. uh, particularly, particularly with any business, you know. Yeah, no, no, I think that's great. Uh, I think that's phenomenal. If you could tell, and I'd be curious for this one, if you could tell your 18-year-old self one thing, what would you tell him? My 18-year-old self when I was 18, <laughs> don't be a follower, be a leader. There you go. I like that. It's it's hard too, because like when you're a teenager, you know, I think life experience is what teaches people to start being a leader and not being so much a follower. But when you're a teenager, it, it's hard to grasp that. As such yeah, a- I mean, 100%. I had leadership qualities my whole life because I've always been someone who's like my daughter, my, one of my daughters, my oldest, like she has very strong qualities to be a leader. Yeah. But then she also has very strong qualities to be a follower as well. Yeah. So I would definitely, that's what I would say. I would definitely tell myself because of my issues of following people or maybe not being confident in myself or basically making the correct decisions, I ended up following whatever. But because of those bad decisions and looking back on what I, on what I did, you know, it actually probably made me a better, a, a, you know, a better leader in some ways. Cause I was like, I don't want to make those decisions. I want to be confident. I want to be, I want to believe in myself and I don't have to be like everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I, pretty, I, and I guess I pretty much did that sent you with Vagabond because at the time, 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13 CrossFit was this freaking huge thing. Right. Yeah. And I remember even going through the cross scene. I mean, I got, you know, straight up, you cross with people, man. And I got like, I got so bullied around and so, pardon my French, it shitted on by the cross community because I was doing things a little differently. I wasn't part of, I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid. I wasn't, I was yeah. doing things a little differently. Well, no offense. I'm glad I did because if I did, I would be like everyone else. Because if you look at, I mean, I don't know, if you, you remember like 2011, we opened. We're the first one kind of in the area. There's another one about that 10 miles away. And my yeah. friend had one up. My close friend, Chris Gosler, had crossed the selfie. There wasn't much else around. But then from 2012, like 13, 14, yeah. there was ones open every freaking week. And, and yeah. like in the, in the, in the Southeast of Massachusetts was yeah. a huge hotbed, yeah. you know, you know, the North shore of Boston and the South shore is a huge hotbed for this huge growth. 
I think at the time it was actually the best thing at the time it was kind of perturbing with some of the things and some of the uh, issues I had just because I was different in some ways in, in my thinking, just because I wasn't, you know, just because I didn't believe completely in high intense training just for every single person or everyone should be doing Olympic lifting and so right. on and so forth. Yeah. Um, sometimes keeping it simple, you know, is sometimes the, the easiest thing to do and the best thing to do yeah. instead of trying to complicate things and make things better than what they really are. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I think too many people, what you said, I mean, too many people are followers. People just do what the crowd say. Majority of people doing this, or at least the loud people being the majority of people are doing a certain thing. Like you feel like you should do it uh, just because everyone else is doing it. So I think uh, you and Katie, I think you guys got enough uh, leadership qualities. I think you two girls would be okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so last question, Kevin, I've asked every guest on Boston's Best this question. Everyone, uh, everyone has a varying depiction of what success looks like to them. And you've uh, touched upon it a couple of times or, you know, at, at this point, but how do you define success? Um, like I would say like for me personally, like it's going to be different forever, but like, obviously people are going to, some people might mention financial, financial gains as a, as a thing. It all depends for me personally, for success is to be able to provide for my family and be able to give my daughters an opportunity and my, you know, my daughters and my family an opportunity to be slightly better than what me and Katie are at. That could be financially, but also the biggest thing for me too, and a huge thing for me is, you know, this is, is more is is morals and being a good person. I mean, it's a huge, that's a huge aspect for me. And you could be, you got all the money in the world. You could be the best person. I've seen it over the years, but if you're a bag of shit, I'm like, I don't give a crap what you do. I don't care. It doesn't matter if you're a bag of shit, you're a bag of shit. It doesn't matter if you're a billionaire, a millionaire or a thousandaire. But all I care about is that, you know, people who I want my girls to be able to, we always say at the end of the, we, we say prayers to our girls at the night. Uh, we always say, you know, love, care, and share, you know, basically very simple terms. But if most adults followed those probably, I'm sure a state of society might be better. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think so, I think that's a great answer. Love, care, and share. I like that. Yeah. I mean, very simple, very, very easy to follow, whatever. But and uh, but you also have to be tough in some ways too. Like you, you have to have, you have to believe in what, you have to be confident in what you're doing. Because if you're not confident in what you're doing, and that, that was a huge issue of mine, hence why I couldn't, just step away from that cross name because I wasn't confident fully into what I was trying to do and what we were doing because I thought that I needed to possibly follow other people or follow that name. But realistically, you know, confidence is a huge thing, not to be cocky, but at least to be, you know, to be confident, but also to be, um, you know, quiet about it as well, you know, in some ways, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Kevin, I appreciate the time. Was happy to have you on here just because of our personal relationship and promote uh, Vagabond. So thanks again for coming on. Boss is best. I appreciate it. That was awesome. I appreciate it. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to say thank you for checking out my podcast. I really do appreciate the love I've received for this show. I believe now more than ever, any exposure to local businesses is great for them to receive. And I'm trying to do my part. If you are a local business owner or someone you know in the Boston area that would like to be featured on the podcast, please email me at bostonsbestpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please follow this podcast. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Instagram with the handle at bostonsbest underscore podcast, as well as Facebook at facebook.com backslash bostonsbestpodcast. Again, I truly appreciate the great feedback for this show and stay tuned for each new episode every Friday at 8 a.m. Take care.